It was known as the Monte Carlo of America. And after a brief jaunt to the branch in 1861 by then First Lady Mary Todd Lincoln, anybody who was anybody was coming to grace the shores of the Atlantic and see exactly who was traversing the streets of the branch and local community Elberon, New Jersey. You're listening to Heirloom Historical. I'm Leslie Sharonbeck, your host. And on today's episode, we are talking about the Church of the Presidents in Long Branch, New Jersey. Long Branch, New Jersey is located in Monmouth County, and it was formed in 1867. It officially becomes a city in 1903. And sometimes the areas around Long Branch, the branch as it was known back in the Gilded Age, have little nicknames. So the area that we're referring to that Garfield and Grant would have summered was known as Elberon, New Jersey. And Elberon is a toast to architect and designer L.L. Brown, the uh, one who structured and made many of the homes here. And he also was the man that donated the land for the Church of the Presidents. So a little background, what the heck was drawing presidents to Long Branch, New Jersey? It had cool ocean breezes, Reports from family doctors like William Newell told a one Mary Todd Lincoln that in August of 1861, it would be good for her to be able to come up north, get some rest and relaxation, especially now that the Civil War had broke out across the South, very close to her home in Washington, D.C. She would have a release from the arduous responsibilities in the invigorating air of the seashore. And so she did just that. She brought her children up here and it became hashtag trending for other presidents to want to follow in Mary Todd and Lincoln family's uh, pursuit. Mary Todd stayed at a place in Long Branch called the Mansion House, where at one point in the summer, she did have a grand hop. A lot of historians agree that Mary Todd Lincoln's visit spearheaded the political elite for coming down to the branch and those then presidents had other influence in getting more and more people to come down to the Jersey Shore. Ironically enough, the branch and neighboring community of Elberon were a summer colony for 19th century actors. The Booth brothers, Edwin and Joseph, in an ironic twist of fate, brothers of John Wilkes Booth, came down here and summered. In the summer of 1864, John Wilkes Booth comes down to Long Branch and stays at the United States Hotel on Ocean Avenue. That hotel was about four stories high and was located between Morris and Chelsea Avenues and supposedly... Booth entertained Copperheads, which were Northern sympathizers of the South during the Civil War. Other notables to the Long Branch area were Dan Rice, America's first clown star. He was born in Long Branch and returned to live there after he retired from the circus. General Winfield Scott, who lived in New Jersey, uh, Elizabethtown, for over 30 years, would come and summer in the branch. He was known very famously for the War of 1812, the War with Mexico, and the Civil War. And then other notable, beginning to be like Gilded Age robber barons of the time, people like George Pullman, 
Gould and Vanderbilt, they all began staying here as well. So Long Branch was very much promoted in the press. It was covered in the artistic world by peoples such as Winslow Homer and Thomas Nast, who would promote the good life in Long Branch during the Gilded Age, basically the period of time after the Civil War until the 1900s. So let's talk about why St. James's Protestant Episcopal Chapel, otherwise known as the Church of the Presidents, was built. It was consecrated in 1879 and opened in 1881. And essentially, this church was built for convenience. It was easier for worship at a local chapel for these elites that would have vacationed and summered on Ocean Avenue in the branch and neighboring community of Elberon to come to this chapel than it would be to take a long, dusty trip down to the downtown of Long Branch. So this church was designed by architects, and they were prominent of their day, William Appleton Potter and Robert Henderson Robertson. And they designed the church in a beautiful carpenter Gothic style. As you cruise down Ocean Avenue and you're headed north, you're going to pass the church on your left. And you will see that aside from the tower, most of the structure is still structurally intact, and they've done a beautiful job restoring it, uh, the Long Branch Historical Society. So you'll really get a feel of what these presidents would have been walking to if they were attending a service. The style of church is known as the Carpenter Gothic, as I had mentioned, and this was quite a popular design at the turn of the century. It showcases the charm and quaintness um, of the era, but it also adopts uh, Gothic elements in order to make it a little bit more experimental in nature. Lewis Comfort Tiffany Studios had two stained glass windows that we know of that were placed and installed into the church in the 19th century. And the cool piece of New Jersey history trivia is that also on this property, which is a pretty big piece of property, if you look to the left of the church as you're facing it, you'll notice a very small, kind of looks like an awkwardly shaped structure made out of small planks of wood. And this is known as the Garfield Tea House. And this was built from the railroad ties that were laid in 1881 when President James A. Garfield was very sadly assassinated um, and still living. And so when Garfield's doctors were trying to figure out how to get him back to better health, they actually built an addition onto the train trestle here, say that five times fast, and to get Garfield over to the cottage, which he would spend his remaining days, which was merely a few blocks away from the Church of the Presidents. After Garfield passes away and that train trestle is no more, uh, they pull up those tracks. A famous actor at the time purchases them, and he builds that little tea house kind of as a memorial to James A. Garfield, the late president. This church was also built so that people would have a place to worship, and famous families, and I love this fact, like the Goulds, the Vanderbilts, the Sloans, the Drexels, they all had summer places nearby, and newspaper reports stated that on a Sunday morning, there would sometimes be a net worth of the congregation of $250 million, and for back in those days, that was quite a chunk of change. In addition to that, uh, coffers supposedly the offering plates would be laden with over $8,000 sometimes on a Sunday in the summer. So as I mentioned, it was 
a presidential worshiping spot. Now, the church claims that it is the church of seven presidents. Um, I've heard varying reports of that five presidents visited it, not all worshipped there, but it's still a really cool homage to this area of New Jersey that I'm sure many of us pass by, maybe if we're taking a drive along the shore roads up to Sandy Hook, you, w- you would pass by this and wonder, gee, what is this building? Why is it important? And what history does it have? So why did presidents pick the branch? It started with Mrs. Lincoln. Um, then simply it just becomes the place to go. And it makes a lot of sense. It was not that far of a pull from Washington, D.C. Presidents would be able to either take a train up. Sometimes they would ferry across. Um, Grover Cleveland and Woodrow Wilson, who supposedly visited the building, were local New Jerseyans. Grant actually summered in Long Branch during his two terms in office, and he followed his time in Long Branch up after a world tour. So he went on a world tour and then came back again to summer here in New Jersey. And he actually, in the 1860s, recognizes Long Branch, New Jersey as the nation's summer capital. And I love this. He had a 28-room cottage that he purchased in 1869. He lived there through Throughout the duration of his vacations, and he wrote many of his memoirs here in his, the last years of his life. And Grant was a very humble man when he did go and worship at the Church of the Presidents. They said he was very humble. He probably wouldn't have been in one of the front pews just because that was of his nature. He really loved the area. He was pretty accessible, and he really enjoyed, when you read the memoirs, the time that he was able to spend with Julia, his wife. And I think that's one of the cool things when you look at this church and you see the bodies that would have been in there and the people that would have been walking on the streets. It was a chance for presidents, even after those two presidential assassinations, to kind of get away from the hustle and bustle of city life and to enjoy the time spent together along the Jersey Shore. Other presidents tended to follow suit. Uh, James Garfield, after he is sadly and tragically assassinated by Charles Gateau, spends his final days only a few blocks away. And he, you know, recognizes and writes in his letters that he's writing back and forth as he is dying, that he loved this church and he could hear the music from the Church of Presidents, the, the hymn, Jesus, Lover of My Soul. At the time when the church was opened, uh, it had all sorts of relics from the world and also the presidents. Perhaps the most unique was the flag that graced the casket of Garfield after he died uh, in Elberon from his assassin's bullet. There were flags from countries all over the world. Even the Republic of China um, had worshipped at the church. They had sent Uh, ambassadors and emissaries there, and so they had donated these flags. And the church, uh, which is now the Long Branch Historical Society's building, also has bronze tablets dedicated to those presidents that worshipped in the 1920s, and they were valued at about $10,000. Sad part about the church, and also it's kind of like a story of revival, so the church ends up becoming deconsecrated in 1953. By the 1920s, so after the Gilded Age, and really the last president that would have been there pretty regularly was Woodrow Wilson. Wilson, just like Cleveland, even though Wilson was not from New Jersey, um, he had his estate at Shadow Lawn, so he would have spent time there, you know, during the summers and being present and around. But by 1925, it was noted in the Daily Record that 
the church was in need of donations to stay solvent. They had all sorts of financial help as peoples in the area really thought of this church as a national shrine. And they refer to it often as the Westminster Abbey of the United States, which I love. I just think that that is a really cool homage to the area. And there were these awesomely wonderful philanthropic stories of people coming out of the enclaves of Long Branch and Elberon to help save the church. When they had an assessment of $614 and three cents for paving and other repairs that were needed to the street and sidewalk. A Jewish man by the name Levy actually walks into the Church of Presidents and pays the assessment for them just because he saw the beauty of the building, the history and the prominence of the church. By the 1930s, when you look in newspapers of the time, it was really only open seasonally for people of the shore. By the 1940s, we see that membership had dropped to about 40 people and church officials were debating if they should demolish the entire building. Those debates end up winning on the side of conservators, and by the 1950s, they had asked for the church to become deconsecrated, and then it becomes the Long Branch Historical Museum, which the building was placed on the State and National Register of Historic Places in 1976. From the 70s up until 1999, the building was a museum. And then when it closed in 99, the Long Branch Historical Society has still worked on very hard preservation attempts to get grants to have the building operational. And what's really great is that most of the artifacts that they were able to preserve have been moved out of the building. Uh, The two windows by Tiffany, the church's original altar, the pipe organ, the guest books with some of those presidential signatures in it, um, they are all moved out of the church and they are able to be preserved. So what is next for the Church of the Presidents? Um, And that's an interesting topic in 2024. So the last that I was able to research, um, what's really cool is the Long Branch Historical Society is still working on renovations of the building. And they are really hoping to get it up and running as not only a museum, but also as a wedding venue, which I think for any historical enthusiast to be married in a church of at least five, maybe seven presidents would be a pretty darned cool thing to do. The Long Branch Historical Society has also taken some of their artifacts and they have placed them in Long Branch's City Hall. So if you are a fan of Ulysses S. Grant, the president that sunk the Confederacy or smashed it, you can see his walnut cabinet in Long Branch's City Hall. Um, and you can also, you know, join the Long Branch Historical Society and make a donation in their attempts to help them restore the building back to its former glory. I will make sure that I link the Long Branch Historical Society in the description below so that you can join up and, you know, really give them the just desserts that they need in order to keep this afloat. But I just think it's a beautiful Sunday drive as you're headed out here around the Great Garden State to head on up to Ocean Avenue. Close your eyes, take in those beautiful views of the branch and Elberon. And I often wonder what the heck it must have been like to see Ulysses S. Grant walking down those streets, probably touting a cigar with Julia and his children on their way to Sunday service. I'm Leslie Sharon Beck. Thanks for listening to Heirloom Historical. Next week, join us. We're going to get gilded. We're staying gilded. And we're going to talk a little bit about Teddy Roosevelt's 
Time in Manhattan. And yes, there's even a Abraham Lincoln connection. So stay tuned next week as we take it to the streets of the Big Apple. Thanks for listening.